2 Corinthians 10 through 13 is a four-chapter unit that closes out this book, and compared to the sweet fellowship that we just covered in chapters 8 and 9, it takes this book in a surprisingly stern direction. In these four chapters, Paul deals outright with the last problem in Corinth. He does this from five different angles, which we'll see in the next few days. And we could say this is the hardest problem that Paul has to touch. It's the problem of his apostolic authority. And when we say apostolic authority, we mean the authority that he has in the church in Corinth as an apostle who raised them up. It's his apostolic authority, so it's a problem of leadership. And it's helpful to have as much background as you can to this problem in Corinth because it's a quite complex background. So after Paul had visited Corinth for about 18 months and had raised up the church there and then had left, uh, a group of self-appointed teachers from the East uh, who had somewhat mixed the New Testament gospel and Old Testament Judaism came to Corinth and, and they tried to lead the church away from Paul. And the fruit of their work in the church was dissension and rebellion against Paul's apostolic authority. It brought in a lot of confusion, a lot of cloudiness, a lot of sorrow, tears, infighting. It was bad. Paul even called them false apostles and ministers of Satan in chapter 11, verse 14 and 15. And, you know, when a similar scenario happened in, in Acts chapter 14, Luke records what happened as the Jews poisoned the minds, poisoned the minds. So you could say this is what has happened. These Judaizers, these um, teachers who teach the law, they came to Corinth and poisoned the minds of the Corinthians against Paul. And there's two trends that emerge. What they do, they claim to be something. They claim to be something great. And they also, secondly, belittle Paul, disparage Paul. So they claimed to be of Christ. They claimed to be apostles. They classed themselves with the super apostles. They commended themselves and measured themselves by themselves. That's what Paul says about them. On the other hand, he said they spread rumors about Paul. Uh, being rumors about him being crafty and out to take advantage of the Corinthians. Uh, they said, while his letters are weighty, his bodily pres presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. And they mocked his humility. They said, he's in person base among you. And so all this speaking clouded the atmosphere of the church in Corinth. And, you know, Although many were loyal to Paul, some were swayed by these Judaizers. And so Paul has to write this second epistle to the Corinthians to somewhat calm down the atmosphere there and reconcile them to himself. And so at the end of this epistle, after he has somewhat calmed them down and reconciled his audience in the first nine chapters, he now has to deal directly with this problem and vindicate his own apostolic authority. It's, it's a very difficult for Paul to do this. It's difficult to vindicate yourself properly. It would have been easier if he had to argue on behalf of someone else, but in this section, he's forced to vindicate himself like a father to these wayward Corinthians. And in chapter 10, he vindicates himself in two ways, two crucial ways. And the first way that Paul does this is he shows that uh, a, a minister of Christ fights spiritually, not physically. 
Um, he says, although we walk in flesh, we do not war according to flesh. The weapons of our warfare, he says, are not fleshly, but powerful before God for the overthrowing of strongholds as we overthrow reasonings and every high thing rising up against the knowledge of God. And so we need to ask ourselves, how do we fight a spiritual battle? And by this section, we can realize it's not by fighting a physical battle. It's not by fighting flesh and blood. You know, the enemy is never another person. And exchanging words with others is never profitable in spiritual matters. The enemy is always Satan behind the scenes, utilizing maybe another person. But we should learn from this section, never get into arguments with other people. The way to fight, like Paul says, is to go before God, to go before God. Our weapons are powerful before God. And we do this by prayer, by prayer on our knees, asking God, God, bind Satan, overthrow him, bring in your victory into this situation. So Paul's showing us that we need to learn how to pray in order to fight a spiritual warfare. And then secondly, he says, we take captive every thought unto the obedience of Christ. And so I would say the way to take captive every thought is first we have to measure every thought according to the Word of God. We have to spend time in the Word to know the Word and to have the Lord um, capture our thoughts and uh, our strongly held beliefs. Um, It turns out that Satan's tactic is to cause our strongly held opinions and beliefs to rise up against the knowledge of God. And so, so important to take our strongly held beliefs assumptions, um, cultural assumptions, worldviews to the Bible to have them be measured by the Bible. Okay, then Paul says the second way that he, as a minister of Christ, would vindicate his authority over the Corinthians is by the measure of God's rule. And when he says the measure of God's rule, what he means literally by that word rule is a carpenter's rod. So it'd be like saying by the measure of God's ruler, or God's tape measure almost. So he's saying, in effect, God has measured out Corinth to us. In fact, he says, we were the first apostles to reach as far as you. And he says something to the effect that we we hope to eventually reach areas beyond you. But the Judaizers were overextending themselves. He implies that God never measured it out to the Judaizers to come over from Judea into Corinth and interfere with Paul's ministry. So he uses this phrase here, I love this, the God of measure. And we have to realize God measures everything. He measures everything. In Job 38, 11, God says, he measured the sea. He measured out the sea. He says, you shall come this far and no farther. In, in Acts 17, 26, it says, God measures the nations. He determined beforehand their appointed seasons and the boundaries of their dwelling. And in Ephesians chapter 4, he measures our work in his body. He allots to each of us a measure of grace grace, and a function in measure. A function in measure. So as young people, we need to learn to live within God's measure. And we need to learn to live under God's restriction. And we need to ask, how does God limit us? He does it. We could say by bringing us down when we're too high and we're bringing us up when we're too low. You know, as a young person, maybe you weren't that into the Lord. You weren't into Christ. 
But when God stirred you up one day, he essentially set you on fire for the Lord. You might have expected at that point, I'm on fire for the Lord. I want to grow. I want to make swift progress. What happened eventually probably is that you found that something in your environment brought you low, brought you down. It wasn't what you expected. But those things that bring us down in our environment are God's restriction of us. And But maybe a few weeks later at a conference or something, you were stirred up again. And it was like you were on the mountaintop and you said, I want to stay on the mountaintop forever. But then eventually something else happens in your environment and you're down again. This is our life. Our life is up and down, down and up. You might say, God, I don't want a life that's always going up and down. But he would say, I need you to go through these situations and be measured by me. Every growth that you want to happen, every work that you want to do for me has to be under my limit, under my restriction, so that you'll be the right size. You'll be a member the right size. You know, just think about it as the body. None of us would want an ear like as big as a foot, right? That would be just out of proportion. So may we all learn that God is wisely dealing with us in, in our environment to measure us and cause us to be just the right size, just the right amount. And we'll find eventually our greatest joy will just be operating, functioning within our measure in the body of Christ for its building up.